Dear Church Podcast. Hey, wasn't it Steve who was driving when we all went out to lunch when we were together for the first time? And wasn't that, was that Steve? No, it would have been me. If we were all together, I was driving. Oh, well, then I'm I'm not going to bring it up then. Forget it. You got too much respect for you, Tom. <laughs> we, only, we only throw Brodnick under the bus. Is that it? <laughs> well, yeah, only on Mondays. So today is uh, an interesting topic for us to discuss, and we want to jump in. We've, we've entitled it, You and Your Pastor. And one of the things that we were trying to um, adjust this season, I think that's the right way to put it, is uh, maybe have some topics of discussion that go beyond just um, pastoring and and what it's like to be a pastor and and what it's like from the pastor's perspective. Now, reality of it is 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 we'd love to someday in you know adopts the the interview style of maybe bringing in some church members and we're not doing that today. But um, we thought maybe we would we would converse um, about pastors and relationships with people in the congregation, close friendships in the congregation. That's a question I see posed a lot, especially on social media. You know, is it okay as a pastor to have close friends um, in your church congregation? And uh, that is an interesting topic of discussion, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I think and honestly, I think a lot of people may not even consider that as pastors, it's something that comes up often, but those listening that aren't pastors, I, I wonder if that ever even crosses their mind that we discuss that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the perspective that we bring to it is that we have all not been a pastor and now we are a pastor. And so I think we can probably draw from those times when, you know, we were in the congregation and now we can look at it from, you know, both sides. And, and maybe for, you know, PH, it's a little bit different because his pastor was also family. Um, but again, that's that's another perspective. I think we may you know, it might be worth us exploring is when you're related to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you this, you know, we have varying um, congregation sizes represented in this group of guys. I think congregation size factors in a little bit to the discussion. Uh, we have different personalities, um, all of us for sure. Uh, and and that factors in to the conversation a little bit. But, you know, I would I would say with our church, and I know some of my church members listen, and so I want to be accurate in how I phrase what I'm about to say. I would say that I have a good relationship overall with the majority of our church. Um, I feel as if our church is very relationally wired. There, there are certain areas of that that I think we could do better in, but I also think that as a pastor, in order to succeed at Faithway Baptist Church, whether a pastor, staff member, whatever, um, we've got to be very relational in the sense that we get to know our people. You know, I, I, I try to ask them about their job. I try to ask them about their their kids, their lives, their their prayer requests, um, as opposed to being looked at exclusively as a scholar, a theologian, a pastor, a preacher. You know, I think there's an element of that friendship that has to be present for me, with my personality anyway, in order to be an effective pastor. Friendship is the mortar in every relationship. Um, but that doesn't mean that relationship is necessarily a friendship. And I sound like mm-hmm. I'm arguing with myself. But just because – I don't, I'm not attacking you here, Brother Russ. Just because you oh, ask someone about you know their, their job and their home life and how things are going does not mean necessarily that you view yourself as their friend or they view you as a friend. There's, there's, a, 
there's a relaxation in friendship. Um, there's a, a just um, being around each other and not having to feel like what you're saying is being filtered or needs to be filtered. There's a relaxation in friendship that makes friendship problematic for a lot of pastors because they don't feel mm-hmm. like they can relax. Do you think mm-hmm. it's a case of there being varying levels of friendship? So it's mean? not a case of so it's not a case of being you are my friend, you are not my friend. Oh, but yeah. you have different circles of of friendship, just as you have different circles of fellowship. Okay, but doesn't that open us up to the accusation of playing favorites and you know having favorites in the congregation? Okay, let me phrase it this way: Is that even avoidable, though? Not favorites. Oh. But the fact probably is that not. you're going to be closer to some than you are yeah, others. Probably not. Well, yeah. I think the issue of having, you know, the accusation of favorites and the issue of favorites is is more about their influence on you and perceived favors towards them rather crony, than it? just, you know, friendship. Yeah, um, for the and, crony, and one the that you spend idea. maybe more time with than others, or you you just kind of okay. connect with in a different way. Yes and no, because if you had, let's say, you had someone in your congregation that you felt closer to than everyone else, and so you went fishing with them every week for twelve weeks in the summer, wouldn't there be part of you that would say, "I better not post this on social media because somebody's going to be upset that I'm spending time with this guy again." I could see that. Yeah, there, certainly, certainly the idea of promoting your activities is a is is part of the discussion as well, right? I mean, well, that yes. actually lead that actually leads me to something that has happened in my ministry, and that is sometimes you have people in a church that perceive certain people are really close to the pastor that necessarily aren't. <laughs> We've had that. Oh, I've yeah. had that before, where there's been families or couples that hang out after church and they're like the last ones and I'm kind of locking up and we talk and people know that and see that. And they had this perception that those people were kind of more important in this and that when really it was just, I was being kind and, you know, not trying, you know, and I don't want to kick people out of church anyway. So I'd rather, I'd rather take fellowship a little bit farther. So from a, mm-hmm. from a, from a church member perspective, you know, when your pastor's with someone, spending time with someone, don't ever think that equates closeness. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're, you know, part of our, a big part of our job is spending time with people in a variety of different ways. I mean, right. there's certain things we're going to do for everybody. We're going to, we're going to be willing to make a, a hospital visit. We're going to be willing to be there in their time of need. Um, we're going to be willing to uh, step out of our comfort zone and, and pastor them where the title pastor applies. Now, the the deeper question though is is it is it possible for a pastor to have actual friendships that are not just work friendships, um they're true relationships, you know, a little little deeper than what than everything we've presented thus far, I think. Well, I would say yes. I mean, you know, and and kind of speaking a little bit to people accusing you of having favorites. I think if someone is is jealous of your attention in that way, then to me that says that there's a deeper issue of trust um, because either you're asking the pastor to spend equal amounts of time with everyone, which even when you move beyond you know, a small size church, that becomes impossible. You get into a large church and 
you know, the pastor is not going to be able to spend equal amounts of time with everyone in the congregation. And so, you know, there can be the the danger that basically people within the congregation make it impossible for the pastor to have a friend because he's, you know, he's on um, eggshells, nervous that that accusation is going to be made. Okay, I agree with that. But I do think that Brother Russ's point goes back to something that I alluded to, which is, can you relax around that person? Should a pastor ever have the kind of relationship with someone he pastors where he's entirely, oh, this is going to sound terrible, but I just think it's the elephant in the room, where he can entirely relax and be himself, where he's not thinking of... I'm trying to minister to this person. I'm trying to edify this person. I'm trying to help this person. That's mm-hmm. a pastor's mindset and a pastor's job. Can he, is it right? Is it, can he ever lay that to the side and just be, you know, I'm Pastor Brennan. That's what I ask people to call me. I don't yell at them if they don't, but that's that's my preference. But, you know, it's different when I'm with, say, you guys, for instance, and we're sitting down over some barbecue I don't have that same sense of filtering everything I say and of like, I'm trying to help them and minister to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. The difference is in being pastor and being Tom. It really is. And I'm not Tom to very many people. No, Mm -hmm. more than ever. I am on this podcast. I'm sorry if that, if that's a problem, by the way, (laughs) no, it's, (laughs) I don't totally agree with that though. Cause he is, he isn't. I mean, we would call him Brother Tom, and there there is a, you know, we have a professional relationship with Brother Tom, even though he's our friend, because I know in my life it's very, especially yeah, I, I live I I live way away from my my immediate family. Now my wife's family we live close to, but very few people just call me Steve. My preacher friends well, usually call me Brother Steve, and then. You know, my church members usually call me preacher or pastor or something. So we yeah, won't repeat I mean, what we call you. <laughs> What's that? I said we won't repeat what we call you. No, I, I think um, there's. I think there's always a an element of being aware of your position, and you don't want to come across as being, you know, foolish in any way or or behave in a way that then impacts the the role you have in the pulpit. You know, mm-hmm. if you stand up in the pulpit on Sunday and people have in mind something dumb that you did on Saturday, well, then that's affecting your ministry. So, you know, it probably does factor into some degree, um, but I would probably err on the side of not letting it be a factor. I, I would say this. Okay, so let's let's try to dig deeper, try to get to some substance and conclusive things here. Um, from the perspective of a church member, we have had along the way, and, and I've been pastoring eight years this March uh, as, as the senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever we refer to that, and in ministry prior to that for three years as a youth pastor, prior to that growing up at a pastor's home. Okay, so I've seen a lot of this just from my own perspective. I would say that there is the experience concept, the, 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 the way that we deal with things based on our experience. And from a perspective of a church member, there have been very few people down through the years who have just allowed us to be ourselves, but there have been some, and those people are a blessing. And I can, I mean, I'm thinking right now of some people who God sent into our lives for a season in that were members of our church, whether this was, and some of this was from my childhood. Some of this is in recent years. 
Um, the other side of that same exact coin is this, is that while God did send them into our lives for a season and we got very close and became very transparent with them and they learned, you know, who we were and, and they, they were, they were very helpful to us in that season that those seasons often come to a close. And when they do, they're the most hurtful. That's just mm-hmm. my well, experience. That's, that's true of every relationship. You open yourself up to hurt by definition if you love somebody. Uh, but as a leader, as a leader, I, w- I would say I think it's different. Uh, I, I, I think sure. a leader I, in I, a it, a leader in a church, uh, you know, it's yes. because sometimes when people take issue with the church and they move on, even mm-hmm. if they say, look, I've got nothing against you, pastor, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy here. I'm moving on. And and at the same time as leaving the church, they cut off their friendship with you. Um, you know, that that does factor into future decisions. So are you right. Steve, you that's, that's the key difference is, you know, I have now or 20 years pastoring and uh, and, you know, the key difference for me, and I, I, it was always how close do you get to church members, do you become friends with them? And I just recently read an article, I think Brother Tom shared it with me, that really challenged me and changed my thinking into, um, in, into not whether I should or not, but that it's just not, it's not even possible in the aspect. And the article basically took this approach. It was how does this relationship end? And the fact Mm. that it can end at any moment, you know, with just a bad decision you make, does that mean it's really a friendship? And in my experience has been, I've had people that I've been very close to and just one decision I make in the church all of a sudden like ends everything and it's devastating. And, and so for me, I'm not trying to be cynical or hard hearted. I, I love the people in my church and I'll still be close to them, but I've kind of just woke up to the fact that, because at any moment a decision I make <laughs> causes that relationship to sever that I, I don't know if I can, you know, put it at that level. I don't know. Well, I think that's uh, the, and different, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> that's that, that's, that's what, what I think there's like different concentric circles of friendship. So without being narcissistic, you put yourself in that middle position and closest to you are going to be a certain circle of friends. And then a little bit further out, a different circle of friends. And I wonder if my perspective is a little bit different growing up somewhere that there weren't, you know, huge amounts of pastors fellowships and, you know, 20 good churches within 20 miles. You know, if there are churches here in the States where if the the pastor doesn't have a friend in the congregation, he risks not having a friend. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I I kind of want to be careful to, to leave the door open to being able to have genuine friendships. So I was actually just looking this up. Because, Steve, you mentioned the article, and that article that you mentioned actually brings in Martin, one of your people, a British psychologist um, by the name of Robin Dunbar. And he says here that humans are historically and genetically programmed to be able to handle 150 personal relationships. And his circles, because, Martin, you were the one who referenced circles. He said the closest circle are your best friends. And he said that should never get beyond three to five people. He said, beyond that, you have friends. All right, that's your sympathy group. Those are people that you're friendly with, but but they're not best friends or friends. And that's 12 to 15 people. Beyond that is your tribe. And that's 150 people. And then outside of that is everyone else. And so he makes the case that humans have a capacity level for friendships and that usually it's very small. Um, and I, and that, that's, a psycho- that's a psychologist saying that, you know, I want to be clear, but it is interesting how that's all said. And that's, that's pretty much what you referenced. 
Don't you think that there is a sense in which as a pastor, if you allow yourself, and I'm going to sound like I'm arguing with myself, if you allow yourself that mindset that says, you know, I can't have close friendships because it means I cannot then pastor effectively over the long term, the ditch on the other side of the road, to borrow the illustration we use constantly here on the Dear Church podcast, would be a pastor who becomes so remote from his people that it's almost like an impersonal relationship, whether because he thinks he needs to do that to pastor effectively or to protect his own emotions. I've pastored people before, and I've pastored three churches, so you know, please don't just pigeonhole this into the church I'm in at the moment, um, who have struggled with previous pastors they've had who have been very remote. You know, If you want to see them, you have to make an appointment. Um, you know, They never mingled with people before and after church. Uh, it was a it was a very very detached relationship. It was just the pulpit relationship or an appointment, and that was it. And I think that's the ditch on the other side of the road, the, a temptation that comes to us as pastors. And I think that frustrates our people when we when we mm-hmm. pastor that way. Yeah, I think you run the risk of being labeled a manipulator if you're so overly friendly, but you refuse to let anyone in in the inner circle at any time. You know, the people are like, oh, he's just being nice to me so that I come to his church. That's, that's mm. what was, that was what was working through my brain. As you were saying that, I hope that that translates right when it, <laughs> when the masses of people are listening, but, but to me, you know, that's exactly right. So I don't know if I even like the ditch comparison on this. I think I like the danger zone comparison because there may be more than two danger yeah. zones. Uh, and the one that you mentioned, Tom, which is that you, you become too open is that how you put that on one side and the other where you become too close? Too close right. um, but the other is, you know, is even in the middle there where what if you pick the wrong relationship? What if, what if you're too open with the wrong person? What if you're too close with the wrong person? And mm-hmm. as far as a pastor church member relationship, I think that there's, there's some realities that we have to discuss from the perspective of a church member. You know, Martin, you said at one point we were all church members. Um, there has to be allowances, right? And and I think God in my church has sent a couple or three. Oh man, I don't want to say that. Wow. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. <laughs> well, let no, me just that, can I throw something in here me, while you're thinking? I finish, I, I, let yeah, me finish my ahead. thought. I, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to walk away from that. Um he has sent Barnabases mm-hmm. who are very very Amen. encouraging. They're not just Amen. there to blow my head up Amen. and to make me feel better about my life, but they're there to be honest with me. They're there to be loving with me. Many of them are older and and I am obviously the younger one here um, at 33 years of age. Some of these are in their 60s and 70s and they are so encouraging and they're the ones who can say, Pastor, we stand, you know, we stand with you, but it's not this militant stand. It's this Hey, listen, just if you need anything, let me know. And we know what you're going through. Kind of, we stand with you. Um, and so, so there are, there are those people, but that's, that's their decision. And their decision is to be a Barnabas. Their decision is to mm-hmm. say, but you know what? Even Barnabas and Paul split up. And that's, that's, that's where I go back to the fear of the pastor is, okay, yeah, if I get close to this person, then they're going to be gone. <laughs> So, I don't know. And see, and see, that's where you're the young preacher in here, and I'm not trying to be the old cynical preacher, but yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine those very people, you know, saying you're evil and calling people in the church that, you know, Brother Russ has turned into a dictator, and we used to love him, and he's just mm-hmm. an awful person, and he's just the worst, you know. Um, 
that but isn't you it got a matter those phone of calls, you got right. those phone calls too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all, all no, they come by no they come calls. by email usually. Usually, people don't want to actually talk to me about problems. And, and I will say that if if you're, I mean, if you're a member of a church, you say you love your pastor and you're friends with your pastor. Good grief, talk to him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and let me just say this. I was going to say this earlier. It, it really is a sliding scale on three fronts, in my opinion. Every pastor's different in his needs, in the way he relates to people, in his giftings. And then every church member is different because right. sometimes you have people in churches that are just needy to a fault. And I'm not saying pastors don't want to meet the needs of people, but sometimes people um, just are absorbed with the fact that they think the pastor is going to solve every one of their problems. And you have a scale there. You have people like that in a church all the way to people that don't ever interact with the pastor and don't even care to you know, discuss anything personal with him. And then you have the sliding scale of the size of the church, because I, I think that does somewhat play a part if you now none of us pastor a mm-hmm. church of thousands, but I mean, if you pastored a larger church, making an appointment with the pastor, and, and I think sometimes that's why, you know, pastors can make the mistake. They're trained at a ministry that has a church right. that has Amen. thousands of the pastor teaches them, you know, make people make an appointment. And it's like, you know, you got 15 people in your church and you're, you know, I, I think there's, you know, there's three factors that come into play and it is a tenderness to the Holy Spirit and principles of you know, friendship that do play a part. Well, I think something that this conversation has revealed is that, that, that I don't think there is a definitive answer. I think there are so many complexities to it. Um, uh, you know, I, I do have friends in the congregation, you know, and I have been, I've been deeply hurt mm-hmm. in the past and I'm sure I'm, I'm going to be hurt in the future. And I, mm-hmm. I think if we brought in the, the hurt that our wives have endured, then we might mm-hmm. become even more defensive and say, okay, well, I'm willing to open myself mm-hmm. up. But, you know, uh, but I think some of it just comes down to, you know, high risk, high reward, low risk, low reward. So yeah. Yeah. if you yeah. cut yourself off, you're going to miss out. If you mm-hmm. invest in others in in a friendship level and allow them to invest in you, there's great reward. But at some point, there, there may be a Paul and Barnabas situation or there may not. Um, but I think to go to one extreme or the other is, is, as I said, this conversation's revealed that there is that balance. Yeah. And the thing I would say about what you, about your, about what you just said, um, I, I understand there's not a definitive way to handle this, but are there definitive principles? And that's what I'm searching for. That's what I want to know, right? Are there definitive principles that I can practice in my life? That if I practice those principles, I can handle the results, whether they're positive or negative, because you're right, they, there are going to be some that we're going to get hurt in the, in, we've been hurt in the past, we're going to get hurt in the future, that's the way life goes, but we're in ministry. And, and I would say this about that, okay, this is from that same article you referenced earlier, Steve, it says ministry is the perfect storm because work, faith, and community all collide. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's different. It, okay, so and, let me, let me would, try to answer your Go ahead, Brother Brodnick. I was just going to say, when it comes to principle, I, I think the principles of leadership and submission come into play. And to use an illustration, now this is an illustration, so don't don't people leave listening to this podcast saying that, you know, Brother Brodnick thinks that church members should obey 
you know, their pastors like a child obeys the parents, but I always knew I mean, you the, were a fundamentalist. Oh, whatever. The, <laughs> the question is like, are we friends with our kids? Um, yeah, I mean, but I'm not their buddy either. There, There's a place in which leadership, and the Bible does give a role of leadership for the pastor. He's the bishop, the overseer, the elder, which, you know, is to be entreated. And I, I think Hebrews 13, for me, has been a huge help. In fact, it's it's what I teach my church about every six months and I'll work it into a message. And it's not to have a backdoor revival. It's because I love the people I pastor and I desperately want them to grow. And in Hebrews 13, verse seven, it says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken on you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or lifestyle. So the writer of Hebrews says, listen, remember, look at, consider this person that teaches you the word of God and his faith. Follow that. Consider that. Consider his his life. And then in verse 17, it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls that they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. And and that verse is awesome because if you study that word obey out in the Greek, it's, uh, um, and my Greek's a, a little shabby here. I had two years of it and I think I forgot two years of it, but it's a uh, patho. And that word, literally the word obey there means to be persuaded by trust, to make friends, to win one's favor, to have confidence. And I believe the teaching in Hebrews there is, listen, remember this guy, watch this guy that God's given in your life to, to teach you the word of God and to lead you. And then let that persuade you in a way that causes your heart to have the heart of obedience. And then, so it says, obey them. Well, but how can and they then it see says, your- wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it says, submit yourselves. And I think there's then that decision. It's, I've watched the life. I'm persuaded in a sense of obeying. It's like, this has convinced me. And that's what that word has the idea of, to be convinced that now I'm going to submit myself because that submission's important because there are going to be disagreements. There are going to be problems. And, and a, a decision to submit isn't that you agree with everything, but it's that you go along with everything. And submitting and going along with something isn't compromise. It's just the way human beings have to function with one another because we don't always see things eye to eye. And I personally think when it says that they must give an account, that may, they may do it with joy, it's not that someday God's going to ask your pastor what he thinks about you, but it's that when your name comes into the mind of your pastor, does it bring joy or does it bring gr- grief? And it says okay, that's, that- unprof- that's unprofitable for you. In other words, what good is it to be in a church where you can't stand the pastor? So get things right with your pastor or get to a place where you can grow. So that leads to a very important thing that I think we need to talk about here is that if, if a church member comes to a place where he says, I can no longer go along with, right? Because that, that was the language right. that you used. I'm just, I'm repeating that. I can no longer go along with X because my pastor is going this direction or this decision or a sequence or series of decisions, you know, regardless. So how do you know when it's time as a church member to move on? How do you know when it's time to say, you know, I, I think we need to go to a different church. And that the reality of it is, is none of us want to answer this because nobody, I, nobody wants people to leave their church. Uh, we don't, 
you know, I used to think, well, there's some people that are difficult. Wouldn't be a bad thing if they left. I've, I've learned, I don't even want to lose the difficult people, right? Uh, just frankly, if you love your people, then, then there's, there would be very, very rare instances where you'd say that one needs to go. And I, I think if I, you get to a point where you think 25% of your congregation at all times needs to go, maybe you need to examine your heart. So mm-hmm. as a member of a church, not the pastor, what, what should, what should give you peace about that? You know, I, I mean, my where, answer where for that, that and I don't think this is overly simplistic. It's talk to your pastor. Now it sounds overly simplistic, but it is, it's also hard. That's why people don't do it. We, we had a while back, oh, probably seven years ago, we had kind of a group all kind of leave similar time-ish. And it was like, it kind of got back to me that someone had said, you know, they were worried about what direction we're heading. And I'm just to this day, I mean, we've never changed direction. So I don't know what direction I was heading, but I, I think to myself, did they just like make some stuff up? And had they talked to me, would that have been salvageable? So I think it's going to the pastor and having a very good, honest discussion. You know, here's where I'm at. This is some concerns. And I've had conversations like that that end up good. And the people in our church are even stronger for it. I don't disagree with that. I think all four of us would say the same thing. It would be very helpful if we could have actual, honest, open conversations with our church people who are struggling with whether to stay or to go. But I don't think that answers the question of when you should. That's more like how you should. When yeah, I is also, I also feel like that answer is exactly what a pastor would be expected to say. <laughs> well, that's because I agree it's with true, what you're saying, I mean, Tom. Yeah, I know that's ex- that's exactly what I would expect to say, and that's what I hope church people will hear. Um, and well, this again, is that's what not I every, hear. That's it's, not every little problem you're running to your pastor. Hey, I'm thinking about leaving, so let's. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That 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 question needs to be answered for sure. As a member of a congregation, what I hear is, well, if I've got to submit anyway, why have the conversation? Because Mm -hmm. it's what the pastor wants. So why have the conversation if it's almost going to be a a facade? You know, so as a member of congregation, that's what I would be kind of, um, you know, going on in my in my mind. We do an injustice when we only go to Hebrews thirteen, but don't go to Ephesians. Ephesians says submitting one to another Mm -hmm. in the fear of the Lord. Right. There's and a I've lot got of first Peter principles. five. You know, I'm thinking first Peter five, the elders who are among you. And and this is what I was going to raise earlier is if if they're meant to be looking into our conversation, our manner of life, how do they do that if they're not going fishing with us, if they're not mm-hmm. butchering a pig with us, if they're not, you know, missing ducks hunting with Stephen, you know, like yeah. if they're not a friend mm-hmm. on some level, how do they see how we react? When we, you know, like when Stephen frequently goes to shoot a deer and misses, you know, like <laughs> well, I heard you roast me the first time. You don't have to go there twice. Thank you. <laughs> I just needed to make sure that. that was coming across. So well, how do they well, see us react to failures and successes and frustrations mm-hmm. if we never model that in front of them? Okay. Yeah, but what you're, what you're saying then is that you can't pastor anyone that you don't slaughter pigs with. Or go no. fishing with, right? I mean, there's some or, people yeah. that you, you you watch won't a movie spend that with. kind of time with. No, yeah, I'm just saying, I think, no, I, I'm saying you can't spend time, close time with every person in your church, especially if you point, get to a certain correct. size, right? At when a you get to point, a certain that is correct. size, and I think well, then the, if they can't, well, if they can't judge your lifestyle, and and I, I'm I'm. 
throwing it out there. I know we have different perspectives on things. If they can't see your life, then how do they model what you're talking about in Hebrews? Well, I think it relates to what the text says. It says, they minister on you the word of God whose faith follow. I think it's that they're preaching and their life and the way they lead the church to take steps of faith is part well, of Well, then that. it's not about I, I'm friendship. Not discount, I'm not discounting. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it. Well, we we kind of we kind of um, slid into that that question of when do you you know consider leaving a church? I guess is that okay, where so far yeah, we've does, only looked at that. We've only looked at that from the standpoint of a rela- personal relationship with the pastor and a friendship. I think the answer has to be when do you leave a church? It first has to be doctrine. Most of mm-hmm. the time, there needs to be a doctrinal reason. It's not because the pastor either was too close to me or too far from me, or I, you know, I saw him lose his temper, you know, with his kids one day because I was close to him. Most of the time, if someone is going to leave a church biblically, it needs to be about doctrine. I'm not ruling out personality because Barnabas and Paul show us that, you know, when personalities conflict at some point, the best thing to do is to go separate ways. But I think entirely too many people leave a church over personality when they ought to just stick it out. And and it, it, what 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 ought to drive our thinking first is doctrine. Yeah, and I think Stephen's got something good to to bring up here. And and again, I you know I think all of us at some point have said, you know, I sound like I'm arguing with myself. Um, you know, we can't be close friends with everyone in the congregation on the same level. But I think there is a dynamic that's important mm-hmm. to it. And and Stephen, I think you've got something I think that's you know worth bringing in here. I mean, you well, always well, do, but so. uh, yeah, n- way to be nice to me now. Um, well, the, the reality, You're my is, friend, is, okay. You just uh, you brought up hunting, and and I have taken some of our some of our um, uh, church members hunting, and these are guys who that's their interest, and some many of them around my age, where I where I begin to where I begin to struggle a little bit is with the um, <laughs> recently, you know, Hey, can you take my kid hunting and can you take my kid hunting? And, and this one, you know, this kid really needs to really needs to be involved in something like that. If you could get him into it, that'd be great. And I'm going, well, yeah, but I got to take my kid hunting. Mm. And, and so capacity becomes an issue. Um, relational barriers such as time as a pastor. I mean, as our church has grown, I can't do that with everybody, right? right. And so I've got to get. Well, I don't know that. That's that's what I was thinking as you were talking. I guess I don't know if that factors in like you thought it would or not. No, it it does, and and you are right. I mean, I, and that's and again to me, that's where you know balance and circles of influence kind of come into it because, um, you know, and, and I was kind of bouncing off a lot of what Steve was saying. That whole passage that there's, you know, I was having a thousand thoughts a second that I wanted to, you know, to kind of reference, but to kind of bring you back a little bit, you know, within that pastor congregation relationship with what Tom brought up about Ephesians, you know, that mutual submission. And I think there's got to be times when the pastor, you know, submits to someone else. And, and although, you know, the pastor is in a leadership position, it doesn't mean that he always gets his way. Right, uh, so we're moving on from friendship a little bit here, maybe, but yeah, what I would say to that is to Tom's point, because this needs to be part of the conversation too. Maybe it was Tom or Steve. I, I'm sorry. It's a little hazy to me, but at a baseline, we're accountable to God. We're submissive to God at a baseline. Mm-hmm. Our job is to spiritually feed our flock. 
and personality does factor into it. You said, Tom, and that's correct. But personality's conflict, God's word is ultimate. And so where God's word keeps me from being um, close or, you know, in a friendship with someone, then, you know, I've got to go with God's word. If someone is, is not okay with what I'm preaching because I'm preaching the Bible, well, then my decision is made for me. Can I, can so on I a practical level then, you know, from the um, church member's perspective, do you think it's about expectations of your pastor realizing that he can be a friend to a degree and, and maybe not to another? He may be closer friends with others than you. Is it about adjusting expectations? I, I would say, yeah. And I, I would add and kind of answers this came to mind of Tom's question. When do you have that conversation if you feel like something's not right between you and your pastor. And I would say it's when his ministry of the word to you is not connecting because of a relational issue that you're feeling like he's getting up to preach and you can't absorb it because you can't get past something in your mind. And we've all as pastors at least I have, and I'm sure you guys would too, where you're preaching and you just know someone. It's like you say something that's humorous and they don't laugh. Um, and now that happens to me for other reasons, but, you know, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you know, if it's to the point and it hit me the other day, I was at a preacher's meeting and there was a preacher preaching and it was just a preacher I don't kind of care for. And he's just kind of abrasive. And it was like the whole time he was preaching, it wasn't connecting with me because I kind of, you know, just and to me, if you're at that level with your pastor where his preaching isn't connecting because there's something not right. I think that's the point, not necessarily when you leave the church, but that's like, Pastor, I need to talk to you and, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, just be bold faced, honest. And and as a pastor, if someone comes to you, you ought to be thrilled that they're like, hey, I, there's something we need to take care of here. I feel like we're answering this, though, from the perspective of a pastor. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm not. That, that should help church members that if they're sitting there well, and every time their pastor preaches, they can't get out of their mind this issue and and it's causing them, you know, and I think that's a lot of times the, you know, the code we've all heard people say, you know, well, I'm just not getting fed. And I think a lot yeah, of but, times but, people but say that because there's something not right between them and their pastor. But But here's the thing. If, if as a church member, I'm listening to this, the discussion to me sounds like it's it's always incumbent upon the church member to make sure things are right, to make sure that that everything's good. And, and you know, there's a little bit of responsibility on the pastor here as well. Uh, there may be times when if your church member hasn't gone and talked to you, you reach out to them humbly and say, hey, listen, you know, I just I feel like and this is risky. This I don't like doing this, but feel like, you know, we're not connecting like we have in the past, I, you know, is everything okay between us? I really value your, your, um, your, either your friendship or what you mean to our church and things of that nature. I mean, we've got to take some responsibility as well in this. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not discounting that at all. In fact, the Bible teaches that if someone has ought against you, you go to them. And if you, uh, you have ought against somebody, you go to them. In other words, the Bible says, listen, if you've wronged someone, go to them. And if you think you've wronged someone, go to them. And I, I've, I've went to church folks and said, something just doesn't seem, the air doesn't seem clear. And yeah, that's definitely, I'm, I'm not at, you know, I'm not saying it all falls on the church member's shoulders, but I'm just saying as a church member, if it's like that, take care of it. 
So when should a church, the- when should someone leave? When should someone leave a church when relationally, I, I put it, heard it put this way, you know, the relationship is dinged. It's sometimes when that everything can be going good. And then one ding, just one little dent and, and there's no coming back from that. Well, I think one of the principles of the five love languages play into it. Um, if, if someone is feeling loved and cared for, then their relationship may get dinged, but they're going to be like, you know what? I know the pastor loves me and I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to let it slide. But if there's already friction there, if there's no kind of, no, no kind of cushion to absorb it. Um, and this is where I think maintaining some kind of base level with as many as we can. And I know this, this adjusts as you have different church sizes, um, but having some kind of a baseline relationship, which I find through friendship, it then allows for understanding. So instead of them sitting there and just, you know, nurturing some hurt and thinking, man, I really don't like pastor. I don't like his tie. I don't like his beard. I don't like his face. I don't like his haircut. He parts it on the wrong side. Like those things don't come into it. I think the personality conflicts are lessened if there's kind of a cushion of friendship to offset it. Yeah, that's the Yeah, love, love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. I'd like to give a little pushback to the idea about leaving a church when there's a relationship problem. We live in a generation that is less prone to commitment than ever, and you don't build great mm-hmm. marriages without commitment. You don't build great pastoring without commitment. You don't build great church membering, if that's a phrase, without commitment. I have a man in my church. Our church is 52 years old. He's been here for 49 of those 52 years. And in that time, he has had disappointments with pastors. He has seen the church grow. He's seen the church shrink. He's seen expansion and decline. He's seen lots of different things. He's had, you know, personality conflicts with different members, not just the pastor over the years, but he has just stayed. Not because his, you know, he's got that bitter attitude of I'm going to sit here and, you know, I shall not be moved. He's a sweet, warm Christian man, but he has committed himself and he has built an amazing ministry here through our church and become a pillar in the church just by that sense of I'm going to get past all of these things that other people left over. And I think that's highly commendable. Yes. And understand what I'm saying. When I'm saying what I'm saying, I'm not saying when that relationship's been ding, that's the reason to leave. That's the reason to talk. So you don't leave in my opinion. I mean, Mm -hmm. to me, you should work past those things. And, And let's face it. I was just back in my home church, faith Baptist church in Clinton township, Michigan, and I saw people that have been there for 60 years. And I'm here here to tell you, those people aren't there because they've never had issues with any of the mm-hmm. four pastors they sat under. They had issues. They they just worked through those. They got past them. And, you know, that's part of that Hebrew submission part and submitting yourself mm-hmm. one to another. And mm-hmm. the pastor doesn't always get his way. But I frankly, I've seen pastors swing too much where. It's like they never lead their church through anything, and and they're always playing to the lowest common denominator to make everybody happy. There's a balance of, you know, I'm going to do right because I'm in the fear of God, and you do right because you're in the fear of God. That's what submitting yourselves one to another is. And I love that, Tom. It is. It's remembering that faithful people at a church, it's not they didn't have issues. It's that they just got over them. So so not everyone— is, is going to react that way. And we understand that we, we know that I'm not, not correcting anyone. I'm not whatever, but not everyone's going to react that way. And the reality of it is, is that 
probably all of us have people who used to attend our church who now attend other churches. Mm. And that's another discussion that I think it, it actually would, would probably help our church members to, to know about is, you know, the relationship that as pastors we have with other pastors in the community. Um, I, I think all four of us would say we have tried or we would, we would rather have good relationships and be on good terms with all of our fellow pastors in the area as opposed to not being on good terms with them. And maybe there, maybe there's room for some discussion on how we each handle that and how we've, at least things we've tried. No, no, nobody's perfect here. So Brother Wickens, you've recently, uh, in the past couple of years, taken that pastor there in Pennsylvania, and I know that you've worked hard to build a relationship with other men in the area. Can you just take a moment and try to try to answer that? Yeah, well, pretty much the first month I got here, I, you know, I knew one local pastor and he was instrumental in putting me in connection with a number of other local pastors. And some of them I've built up friendships with. Some of them, um, you know, I, I speak to only when I reach out to them. Um, but I have committed to having a monthly fellowship. Now, if that fellowship you know, if, if nobody comes to it, which has happened on occasion, you know, I send out email invites and I'll, I'll text people and, and say, hey, can you make it? You know, if nobody comes, you know, that's fine. Um, if we have 8, 9, 10, 12, you know, that's great. But my commitment's to to con- consistently and constantly offer friendship, even if it's not reciprocated. Mm-hmm. Um because I never want to hear from a local pastor, man, I'm, I'm dropping out of the ministry or whatever, because they felt like they didn't have a friend. Um, you know, I may not be the best option, but I want to be an option. <laughs> Do you and even if it's just connecting in- one pastor with another pastor, you know, that's fine. Sure. Yeah. Do you have people that used to attend your church that now attend some of those other churches? No, I think... Um, you know, there's there are a couple of churches that again I, I routinely invite, and for whatever reason the pastor doesn't uh, respond, and and we've had people go to their church. Um, you know, but to me, my my focus, I want people to grow in faith and knowledge and in the practice of their faith, and if they can do that better under another man's ministry, well then. I'm happy for them to go there. So I, I would not cease a friendship with a pastor because someone left my church and went to his. But it might complicate your relationship with those pastors if the people in your church view you differently because you're having a relationship with those pastors. Yeah, that's possible. And I think I would probably find it more complicated if someone moved from a friend's church to mine. Um you know, because yeah. that, to me, that would be more more problematic. And again, I wouldn't want that to affect our friendship, but I know that that is a danger. Well, you know, I pastor in Springfield, Missouri, and you talk about churches, they are all over the place. And I, I have found that when I have a relationship with a pastor and the people I pastor know that they're not as likely to maybe go there, but there's so many, so many options in our area. And, you know, I mean, the, the pattern of a, of a, you know, we use that term church hopper would be three to five years. Um, they find a reason to move on. And that's that's the whole fighting, fighting for a relationship kind of thing, you know. But, you know, I, I mentioned that, but, you know, pastors deal with that, too. 
pastors that have longevity at a place, it's not that they haven't had problems or reason to leave sometimes um, or even opportunity to leave. It's that they they've kind of worked through those things because pastors can do that. They can relocate every three to five years. And, you know, we see that happen. So the commitment to that is is dual, you know, and then pastoring in the area of other people. I think it's good to try to as best you can communicate. And, you know, I know in our area. There's, there, there are literally people that every pastor that I talk to that is, are similar to our church. We know certain people's names and they're like, oh, they're at your place now. And, you know, they just they just have a reputation for, you know, being <laughs> kind of unstable. It's unfortunate, but. Well, you, you got multiple different layers of, of this today. So you've got on one sense, you've got the um, the church hopper, right? And that means they're probably going to every three to five years or less, you know, move around. You got the church shoppers who maybe they move to an area and they're, they're looking around and man, those are the ones like, Oh yeah. You know, you just, how are you going to handle that? You know, you want to, they're not really a tied down or whatever, but now there's a new phenomenon called church surfing. Have you guys heard of this? No, but I think I, I know where you're going, but I think <laughs> yeah, I know, church, yeah. church surfing, church surfing is awesome because well, we like this pastor's preaching, so we go to his early service, but we like this church's music, so we go to their church at 11 o'clock, and then we like this other church's youth group for our kids, and so we send our kids there on Friday night. Yeah, see, that, that that's a misunderstanding of what church is. We, we had yes. someone probably seven, eight years ago come to our church, and I talked to them, and they're like, we just go to a different church every Sunday, because there's that's you a can consumer go to a different church in, religion. You can go to a different church every Sunday especially if you cross denominational lines for years and never go to the same church in Springfield, Missouri. I mean, there's, there's probably a hundred Baptist churches in the greater Springfield area. If you have independent Southern Baptist uh, and different stripes of Baptist. And then outside of that, you know, just, you can go anywhere and everywhere. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the local church is. Exactly. Well, don't, don't you think too, going back to the idea of pastoring, like for instance, we've got in our, in our town, uh, and I guess area, we, I think I counted up the other day, six or seven independent fundamental Baptist churches, um, all of whom I know the pastors. Some of them have been there for years. Others of them uh, are um, newer to the area. And I think I have a decent relationship with all of them. But I think in order for that to be a, a reality, you have to have a set of ethics that you operate by because you mentioned Springfield being a very churched area. So is Evansville. Evansville's got I think 130,000 in their population with over 300 churches of any denomination in the city limits. I mean, there are a lot of churches here. So how do you do that? How do you, in your relationship with those, let's just narrow it down to those six or seven or eight independent fundamental Baptist churches, Brother Russ, how do you Mm -hmm. conduct yourself in such a way that it is beneficial for you and for them and for their people and for your people? I think the number one thing is I fight the urge to be passive aggressive with those pastors. Um, We tend to roar in the pulpit and then we're cowards in person as pastors. I'm not saying all of us are. I'm just saying that that can be a a problem. And so I've just tried, you know what, at the risk of making myself sound too good here. So these other pastors may listen to this if if they even listen and I welcome them to correct me if I've wronged them on this because I, I don't I don't want to be wrong with them on this, but I hope that I put a high value on fellow pastors 
as co-laborers. And I hope that that value means that I'm willing to follow after things which make for peace. And I'll say this, make the tough phone call. Um, I've made phone calls before where I say, Hey brother, your sheep are feeding in my pasture. Uh, how to, you know, how do you want me to handle that? And, and how can I, how can I help with this? I want to make myself available to use just in case there's a situation I need to know about. Um, and I'd certainly want them to treat me with, with respect if it were the other way around. I agree. I, I think what one of the things that helps in that situation is if, and, and several of us have spoken to it, if you have worked to build a relationship with those pastors, that's not, okay, we're back to the friendship part of it, where, where it's not just, you know, a professional relationship, but it's a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Then when those events happen where someone, you know, goes from one church to the other or considers going from one church to the other, I think it really, it really helps that you don't misunderstand the other guy, that you don't automatically use the term passive aggressive, but that you don't automatically say, well, you know, he's done something wrong or he's doing something wrong or these people have done something wrong. It, it smooths so much of that. And I think, and I'm not sure this, this, this will work. Um, here in Dubuque, there's, I've never pastured anywhere like this. It's 60,000 people. There's two other independent Baptist churches and we're, we're pretty, pretty similar on lots of things. And there's a history of trading people back and forth between those three churches. Um, I, I think that that there's if if I can build a, a good relationship with them, it will help minimize some of that bouncing back and forth. And when there mm-hmm. is bouncing back and forth, it won't cause there to be bad relationships between the churches. I don't want bad blood between God's people. Yes. And one of the things that I try to find a way to graciously and even eloquently communicate to people who are coming over. Well, I'll put it this way. Our churches, many of the churches I, that I mentioned of the five or six in the area um, have been around for a long time, 40 plus years in some cases, right? Uh, not all of them, but a lot of them. And one of the things I try to communicate to people who are maybe looking o- around and, and they're at our church and they're usually at the other church is that, you know, I, I'll try to find a way to let them know that I am going to call the pastor. I don't want to be dishonest about that with them. And when I call, I say, look, we're not courting them. We're not being unkind to them, but we're not, we're not necessarily reaching out, you know, and following up as, as thoroughly as we would or, or whatever the case may end up being. But I find a way to let those people know that, Hey, you know, brother, so-and-so and I are friends. Um, if it's okay with you, I just usually like to do the right thing with my friend and let him know, uh, is there anything that you want to talk to him about before I do that? That's you know, really and that good. usually That's like, great, sometimes yeah. that prevents a lot of that because they go, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, but it's been an effective tool in the past. That's good. So can I ask you guys this question? What's y'all's each of you individual? We all approach it differently as far as someone leaving the church or their, I guess their commitment level to the church. I have met people that kind of believe you're married to a church and that you never leave, certainly not for an area church. Some even to the extent you don't even move your family to take a job without permission of your pastor. What, what level do you put someone's commitment to their church? Well, obviously we can't violate their soul liberty. We've, we've talked about that this season already. Um, I, I think it has to come down to a case by case basis. It has to be, there has to be, I have to give the people in my church the same respect I want them to give me. 
And if I and look the, at them and I say, it's God's will for me to go from Chicago to Iowa, then I have to give them the respect to say, it's God's will for me to go from this church to that church. Now, Amen. I can have an opinion about their spiritual condition. I can have an opinion about their reasoning and their process and the way they've gone about it. But I'm going to share heaven with them someday. And mm-hmm. I don't want when I see them, I don't want my my instinctive reaction to, to, to be to hang my head in shame at how I treated them. They're God's children. Mm-hmm. As a father, I want my children to get along with each other. And I, I think God wants us to get along with each other. And I don't mean in the sense of one great big world church. I'm not talking about that. But if we will love God's people, whether they're part of our flock or not, I think that goes a long way toward pleasing the Lord and helping them to grow in grace, whether they land in our pasture or someone else's. Amen. I would I would just echo what you said, Tom. You said they're God's children. And we have to remember as pastors that not everybody who leaves our church is the devil. Amen. You know what I mean? Because sometimes it hurts. Sometimes we we really revile against that. You know, we push back against that. And And the reality of it is that if you pastor for 40 years, <laughs> you, people are going to move in and out. It's going to happen. Sometimes and the same people. <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Yes. That's another discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but when that happens, we have to give that to God and, and recognize that's part of our calling. It's part of what God allows us to do. And so, so we have to, we have to deal with that between uh, ourselves and the Lord many times. I think, I think it's been very good. I hope that church members who listen to this are benefited by hearing the transparency that, that we've demonstrated in this in this episode. I hope that other pastors are helped by it. Perhaps there's maybe there's a pastor out there going through it right now, and this was an encouragement. Uh, we try to write a letter to the church at the every, end of every broadcast, and um, today that letter will be read by Pastor Steve Rudnick. Dear church, what goes through your mind when you think about your pastor? Someone who teaches you the Word of God, a man of faith, a man of God? Or are there not so good feelings? Is there a barrier in your relationship? Also, what goes through his mind when he hears your name? Does your name bring him joy or grief? According to Jeremiah and Ephesians, God gave us pastors as a gift from his heart, a gift to help us grow, a gift to take the oversight of the church a gift to teach us the word of God. The relationship between you and your pastor is important. Don't think that it's not. Like all relationships, it takes some work. The key to this is that pastors and church members always keep the lines of communication open. It's not that you will never have differences or problems, but it's that you work through those with love, grace, understanding, and submission. Don't let disagreements sever this important relationship. Be committed to the church that God has put you in. That won't always be easy, but it'll always be worth it. And if, unfortunately, you can't work out those problems, find a church where you can grow and serve with joy. The relationship between you and your pastor will be at its best when you both seek to keep the lines of communication open and stay committed through the difficult times. Our prayer is that when you and your pastor think of each other, There is joy in your hearts and smiles on your faces. His servants and yours, Steve, Tom, Martin, and Stephen. Stephen.